so I walk into the coffee club and of course I'm late, right? So I'm like, good five minutes late. Everyone's sitting around the table, facing each other, deep conversation. Here's the new guy walking in. And there was a door past the table that I could have went out and went right and just kept on walking. That choice right there to just sit down awkwardly and wait for a break to be able to introduce myself and join the group. To me, that right there, that little decision was a huge turning moment in, in my life because had I just walked out that door, I would have went to work. If you're an active real estate investor and you're looking to do larger deals, you're in the right place. We are gonna go and take the conceptual type of stuff that you listen to from other real estate podcasts and bring it down to the tactical, the nitty gritty, the actual actionable types of things that other real estate investors that went big did to grow their own real estate empire. You're listening to the Go Big Live podcast. I'm your host, Matt Druin. Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Matt Druin. I'm host of the Go Big Live Real Estate Investors podcast. Today, I have a good friend, a guy that I've seen evolve tremendously over the years that I've known him, Mr. Shane Chapin. A little bit about Shane. I originally met him back when we did this little thing called Coffee Club. It was a meetup that I ran every Tuesday, no, every Wednesday morning at 7.30 and Shane started coming. And all of a sudden, he like disappeared off the face of the earth. And now he's like this growing real estate god in self-storage. So a little bit about Shane. Relatively new to the real estate space, Shane has been focusing on value-add self-storage facilities, implementing remote management processes and systems while driving revenue and then selling for a profit. In his words, they're flipping the storage business. Local to the Rochester area, Shane is a real estate mystery, but a frequent podcast host and a well-loved name in the industry. Shane proves you don't need flashy websites or intense marketing to achieve your investment goals and financial freedom. You just need determination, a strong why, and a great partner. You don't want to miss this opportunity to chat with Shane and ask your questions live. And this is a chance to talk to him live if you are tuning into the live Facebook group. And by the way, Shane, this is the first time I've had family members come and like, hey, I want to get on this. So I got, you know, maybe some nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and stuff like that in here. So that is like super awesome. It means like you come from good stock, you got a good support system around you. So anyways, that being said, welcome to the show, Shane. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you having me. So I like to start uh, the interview with our guests with a simple question. You were born and now you're here. What happened in between? First happened, my friend. Happens every day. That's it. Everybody just want like a 60 second who I am from beginning to end version. Uh, yeah, you got a five, five minutes origin story. Yeah, I mean, quick origin story. My dad was in the military, so I was actually born in Germany. It was kind of cool. Ended up moving to, to Hilton, New York, right outside of Rochester. Young, grew up there, ended up going to Brockport, played high school there. So I was in Brockport, pretty much, you know, Newport Hilton area, Rochester, my whole life. We got out of, the, out of high school and I went into the army. So on and off, I ended up doing about nine years in the army. Got out of that and just did what everybody army does. You start looking for jobs, right? Get that J-O-B, go find out how to, how to start getting paid. And I ended up in the car business, which was great for them. For my background, I had no experience with cars. I had no experience with sales. And they hired me because of my military background that I was trainable. So fast forward 14 years, I'm at this dealership. And 2016 is when my light bulb went off. And we decided that there was a, a different way to live. Uh, we just had to find it. And we, it was a wild little journey from that 2016. It was honestly our first cruise we ever took. My wife and I landed on St. Croix. We ended up <laughs> renting beach chairs from these dudes that were like from New York. And they're just living on the beach, renting us beach chairs. And that was it. I'm like, something's wrong. Like I got to own something that other people will continue to pay over and over again to use. And uh, man, we, we just found our way to you guys, the coffee club, Marty, 
friend and I guess are super supportive and helped introduce me to the right people and kind of got me on the journey of self-storage. Excellent. I want to back up a little bit because we can get a little bit personal here. I mean, you were coming to the coffee club for a while. I never asked you about this, but you there was a mounting source of tension that I could feel in terms of frustration under the surface in terms of what you were doing in real estate. And I never got to talk to you one-on-one to address it. And then all of a sudden you disappeared. And then it was like, I would equate you to like Bruce Wayne. He was in the world and then he disappeared and then he came back a completely different person. And I kind of like equate your story to the Batman movie, right? So what happened? Like, what was that seminal moment and that transformation that happened with you over, over that time period? That's fine. I never thought I'd be, you know, associated or, or, or compared to Bruce Wayne, but I, I see it and I, I do get it. And I, I guess looking at it that way, I, I feel this feel that I did that, right? I mean, I, I was living a specific life, a certain life that I thought this was life. This was the way it is. We're just going to drive on at some time. I'm going to get to retire, you know, what everyone does, right? So real estate was what we found, right? You just Google, how do I leave my W-2? And generally you're going to find real estate. You're going to end up in bigger pockets. That's kind of how that went. The frustration I think that you might be referring to is we, we bought a, a house. We were, my wife and I were buying a house. We're going to flip this house and we're, they're going to build this, the scale. And it's going to be a huge portfolio. And we're going to live this life of financial freedom. We bought the house, could not find a single contractor to, to come in and, and work on it. Couldn't even get quotes. We just decided to do the work ourselves. So it really took us a year before anybody could actually go into that house and live <laughs> in it. We tried to list it and sell it. It didn't sell. So we had to rent it. Fortunately, our, our daughters and their two roommates lease was up. So they rented it. I think the realization is I worked so hard for that year. I mean, I was at this dealership for 60 some hours a week, right? I get off at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. And I was literally driving over to this house and then I'm there till 12, one o'clock in the morning, whatever, doing whatever <laughs> nasty, dirty, cold work I was doing. So just wasn't fun. It wasn't what I pictured when I was sitting there in 2016 going, I'm going to do something that's going to allow me to live a little bit more free. Uh, so that was my frustration was I don't understand how you guys are doing this. At that point, like a lot of the rent control and stuff was kind of kicking in. So it started getting me even more nervous. Like all these experienced guys are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get rid of my single family houses and things like that. So, you know, the buzzword is a pivot, right? So at one point we're at your coffee club, let me back up for this first coffee club, because I think this is a valuable lesson for anybody. The very first time I was going to go to this, right? I was nervous, more nervous than I was this morning to sit here with you, right? But <laughs> there's a saying that I, I live by is that my greatness lies beyond my comfort zone. So I, I'm always growing once I get there. So in this area where I'm not that comfortable right now, I, I at least recognize that I'm growing. So I walk into the coffee club and of course I'm late, right? So I'm like, good five minutes late. Everyone's sitting around the table facing each other, deep conversation. Here's the new guy walking in. And there was a door past the table that I could have went out and went right and just kept on walking. That choice right there to just sit down awkwardly and wait for a break to be able to introduce myself and join the group. To me, that right there, that little decision was a huge turning moment in, in my life. Because had I just walked out that door, I would have went to work. I'd be sitting at Cortese wondering what if right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's fast forward a little bit. How did you find uh, self-storage. Cause I mean, real estate investing is a niche in of itself. You know, if you go to a family gathering and you raise your hand and you say, Hey, how many of you people are investing in real estate and you get nobody that raises their hand. So, you know, the real estate tribe is pretty, is tr pretty small. It's incredibly important to find it. And you found it in coffee club, for instance, and this meetup self-storage is a niche of a niche. How did you find that? Like, what was that seminal moment in terms of like where the aha came off with, with that and where you inspired to jump into that space? It's, it's absolutely awesome. So Scott Spear at the coffee club, as I'm complaining 
about this house. I'm, I'm griping that I can't scale this. This is not going to be something I'm going to be able to do long-term. And somewhere on or about April of 2019 is when Scott Spear said, you should look into self-storage. Look up Mike Wagner. So I had never even rented a storage unit before. <laughs> Didn't even realize it was the next. It wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. So I sort of looked up Mike Wagner on BP, kind of, kind of chatted. Well, one day he walks into the, into the dealership and we meet face to face and he's a real human being that's got this course that teaches this. And the biggest thing to me was I, it was the lifestyle, right? So I, I it's, it was this life that he's living. These guys are vacationing four, five, six months out of the year. They're traveling. They're at <laughs> Disney for the fifth time this year. You know, it was just, it was this life that I saw these people, this group living. I'm like, what is, this is insane. Like, that's what I'm talking about. This is the lifestyle. That's the freedom I think I've been missing in my life. And I'd like to just know how to do. I, I just met Mike and then reached out to Mike. And I know it can be hard for people because there's 8 million gurus out there selling courses. And so for, I was very, very fortunate that, he just happened to walk in on my dealership and, and we were able to meet face to face. And I really got a sense of who this man was. And so, yeah, at that point, once I met him face to face, I was all in and, and we just went on to storage. I filed everything away for single family, all the courses, everything I had been learning and just <laughs> completely shifted and said, I'm just going to own storage facilities. That was it, man. We finally got our first one. Excellent. Let's talk about that first one. So this was like your first, like, this was the biggest deal of your life. You had somebody that was supporting you in it. You were getting educated in the process. Kind of tell us like what, you know, the origin of that deal, how you found it, let's say, or what was your process for finding deals until you landed your first one? I, I did what so many people do and probably put a post out there. Where do I buy a list? And then I got a list and I bought a list like everybody else. And then I scrubbed the list and I started sending out mailers to the list and it made sense. And I got some calls and I got some practice underwriting. But I will tell you of the seven facilities that we have bought, not one of them has been generated by a phone call from me, a mailer from me, an email from me. I have not generated a single deal in any of my marketing, which is really non-existent at this point. So that for me, it's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. That is what has gotten me to where I am today is just relationships. Everything else falls into place if you surround yourself with the right people. And you're the right people, you know, you have to, you have to fit, right? You have to be willing to do things and, and, and make decisions and, and take action. But yeah, it was one of those first deal came along on a call. I was on an uncomfortable live call that I had just joined the storage rebellion university and <laughs> up comes Scott Spear and my buddy, Chris Michaels and Chris Michaels was just getting in the game. Pretty much, We probably signed up about the same day. Like we were, we were colliding and he needed to wholesale his first deal. And I wanted to buy my first deal and our stars just aligned on that call. And they sent me over the deal. And again, I had no idea what I was doing. This thing was 851 miles driveway to driveway. This was down in <laughs> South Carolina. I've never rented a storage unit. I never owned a storage unit, had no idea what I was doing, but man, I trusted Scott Spear and he brought this deal and said, listen, this is, I think this makes sense. This is what we can do. So I, I, I trusted the deal in that aspect. I had no idea what I was doing. Took the kids, packed up the car. We drove down there for a, a due diligence trip and yeah, bought that. We ended up closing in August of 2020 on our first facility. It's in King Street, South Carolina. It was about 10,000 square feet and it was like 15% occupied, just completely mismanaged. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was ugly. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the capital stack at acquisition. I mean, how much did you buy this thing for? What kind of debt did you put on it? How did you raise the capital in terms of the equity you had to uh, do to take this thing down? 
So at this point, right, I'm, I'm a newbie storage investor. I've never bought a storage facility and my investing career was a house. There's a house. So we, and we did good, right? We rented it for a year. We cash flowed. We sold it. We doubled the price. I mean, it was it did what it's supposed to do. But that was my experience, right? I didn't come from, hey, I built a multi-million dollar wholesaling flipping business and now I'm shifting. It's like, I'm just new. So the price of the facility was 210000 So we were getting it, call it 21 bucks a square foot, really, which especially right now, it's impossible, but it was, it was a great <laughs> deal. And it, it was worthy of that price. I mean, again, 15% occupied. The guy was like collecting rent in like the grocery store. If he happened to see someone that owed him some money, it was, it was kind <laughs> of weird, right. But it's exactly the deal we were taught to look for, right? This value add, this super ugly mismanaged property that you can bring back to life. $210,000, we put another $20,000, raised $20,000 for just capital that we needed for gates some lights some cameras. That money, I was introduced to an investor by Scott and mm -hmm. that person funded 100% of the property for me. Mm -hmm. We'd never even met face-to-face. -face. Couple Zoom calls and I was fortunate they had looked at this deal but was buying another deal at the time. So they were familiar with the area and the deal itself. So we split up equity based on, on that. At that point, I had $0 into this. I had $0 available to be into this. So <laughs> that's why it wasn't like I was just choosing not to. And yeah, we, so 230 grand all in. Like I said, it was about 10,200 square feet. And I got to work figuring out all the stuff that I didn't know I didn't know. So let's talk about the, like the, the entity structure and uh, how you landed on what you're going to do in terms of the split in the membership interest and all that stuff. So the, we took on right, no debt, right? It was just paid for cash, funded it. So the equity split really, and, and as it should be, it was generated by the person with all the money. Right? It's just kind of how, so I had an idea of what I wanted, but I also was real realistic enough to know that it didn't really matter what I wanted at this point. Like I just mm -hmm. needed to get in the game, right? That's all I wanted. I wanted to get in the game. So I was offered to operate this facility, turn it around. I ended up maintaining 30% ownership of that. I gave up 10% for a small capital injection and then 60% for the entire purchase price. of. So, and then was there any like preferred rate of returns or was it just a straight up just equity split between the partners? No, this was really, really simple. We just were equity split, ownership, cash flow, equity. And, and how we do that is we create an LLC in the state of each facility, right? So we created a South Carolina LLC, drew up the operating agreement. Everybody's members of that uh, LLC and ownership. And then and yeah, and just every quarter, we're just writing checks. Excellent. Excellent. So on that first deal, let's talk about the business plan you had from day one and then how that differed in terms of reality on the execution. So what was the plan from the, from the get-go? Yeah. So initial plan on this was we needed to get cameras. We needed the gate to function. We needed <laughs> lights to be turned on. We needed 25% of one of our buildings rebuilt. About three units down at the end were crushed by trees. Mm -hmm. The trees were still there. So we had to clear out an entire row behind a fence line of just wild vines and trees. And it was, it was a pretty, pretty ugly, ugly thing to arrive to. But uh, yeah, so the plan really was just to clean it up, right? Clean it up, get them a website so that we had a place that they could rent online so that people could pay online. So not look for us in the grocery store. They could actually just go online, pay with credit card. <laughs> we actually had leases. We generated lease agreements. So setting up with uh, a software company and getting that set up so that people could now rent online, pay online, communicate with us online. They can send us text messages back and forth. You know, we can access the gate. We hired a call center so that we actually had somebody answering the phones to be able to take on new, new customers, be able to pay by phone. 
and just answer general questions. So yeah, so we've got a local manager, three-pronged system, local manager on the ground, your boots on the ground. That's how you can do this remotely is you don't have to be there. Good software where people can pay and rent online and a call center for somebody answering your phones. That's the business plan I put in there. And that's what I've since done every other place. I know some people don't do call centers. They like answering their own phones. I don't. So Shane, let's talk about how maybe the execution differed from the business plan and maybe some, I don't know, unpleasant surprises along the way that uh, were learning opportunities for you. I mean, so many. It was just, it didn't, it was, you could fill a warehouse with what I didn't know. I had no idea what to expect, <laughs> right? So I'm just kind of flying blind and knowing that I have this support group. So I'm going to go just back to that. I had this group. I had people that were around me that had done this before. I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I wasn't coming up with, I mean, even the business plan I used was someone else's. I just copied, pasted, cut it, adjusted a little bit, but I, it's reinventing the wheel. So I don't know if it really differed too much. I, I think some of the surprises were, I think the demand, we had good surprises. Honestly, the demand was way higher than we thought it was going to be. So we, we filled up way faster than we thought we were going to. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it continues to be difficult to deal with that I learned very quickly is dealing with contractors at a distance. And right? dealing with contractors sometimes, unless you really find a good one, can be difficult. You know, the good ones are busy and they're, <laughs> they're always busy, right? So there's a reason. So that was probably something that, that I struggled with until I found the right people and now see the benefit of having those right people. And I still have those people in my corner there in, in that town that have since traveled to other facilities for me. That's how much I trust and like them that I've paid them to go to like Georgia to do work on a facility for me because I just didn't <laughs> trust anyone in Georgia. So I had this guy come. So that was a, that was a struggle. Yeah. I, I think that was really, other than that, everything just kind of went a little bit slower as far as how long to get a gate put in, how long to get an electrician to come out. Things mm-hmm. took a little bit longer and it definitely was testing my patience a little bit, but I will say that one person I was maybe, I got to stop complaining, but I was complaining too about something and the time. And they said, <laughs> bro, this was sitting here for like three years, no power gates wide open. It's going to be okay if it takes you another week to get your gate. Right. And so it was like, put it in perspective. <laughs> I was okay. And you know, eventually it all, it all got, got running. So what was your strategy for lease up? I mean, that, that to me would be like scary as hell to have something that's at 15% occupied. One thing it would, it was like, it was like, all right, the market is telling me something like that. There's not a lot of demand here. So what was your strategy for lease up on, on this deal? And how, how, like how, how fast was it in, in terms to get it leased up to stabilized occupancy in the self-storage world? Lease was, it, the facility itself told me why it was 15% occupied, right? So if this <laughs> thing was, if this thing was what it was sitting now, but at 15% occupied, I'd have a whole different look on this deal, right? It would be a way different thing to look at, but because of what it was and the condition it was in, there is no other facility within 10 miles. There's like a couple of buildings that. I think a, like a lumber company owns, but other than that, we're, we're really the game and we're right in the middle of town. So lease up, we just signed up with like companies called Sparefoot, right? I learned from Chris Michaels, who is very good at like uh, Facebook ads. So I learned, took his Facebook ads course, ran some Facebook ads, like storage. You don't sell storage, right? So it, it's never something you go sell somebody like, Hey, guess what? You didn't know it, but you need storage. Like, Oh, let me put all my stuff in a big box for it. It's just being there so that when they do need storage, they think of you, right? They can, and they can find you. So mm-hmm. it was just the demand was there. And apparently just a lot of people wanted to store their stuff and didn't know where to do it or didn't feel secure enough to do it here. Mm-hmm. So once we took over and did what we did, it was 
probably 12 months and we were already up in the 80% occupied range. We had gone, I think, September 2020. I, that was our first month with, with our software program. We collected about $1,500. September 2021, I think we collected just under $6,000. Wow. And then honestly, September 2022, we collected like right around $9,000. So this has gone from probably grossing about maybe 30 grand a year. And I don't even think it was that much. I think it was like 18 or 19 grand a year mm -hmm. up to say we're probably around 80 and we've had it for, it's going to be three years and three years coming up. So yeah, that is an awesome story. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I came from when I was director of operations for a national real estate development company, we had some self-storage in the portfolio and my regional managers were like, Matt, you got to pay the spare foot bill, get accounting to pay the spare foot bill, because that's like, that's like an incredible tool with the uh, people that work at uh, Sparefoot spare in that platform for, for definitely keeping leasing up and keeping facilities leased. So let's talk about bringing it forward a little bit. Like, do you still have the same capital stack on this thing? Or did you do a refinance after you stabilized the property? Tell me about that. So I ended up going a little beyond with some of the repairs that I wanted to do. So I did end up putting about $12,000 of my own money over a period of time into this deals which is now still the only money I have in all my deals. Mm -hmm. It's just this first deal. Yep. So that's, we ended up, we were chasing land because of how fast we were able to lease up. The demand was there. There's a, there was a nice field kind of right next to us. And there's some room on our property that we have now that we've been chasing this land. It took me about two years of letters and then another six months of back and forth, but we did end up getting to purchase this land. We closed on it at that point to buy that land. It was X price and we all just put in our percentage of cash towards that. Mm -hmm. We did not refinance. We haven't done anything other than just sat on this and cash flowed. But the plan right now is we did list it for sale, by the way. We did put it out there. We listed it. We want to test the market. But uh, of our entire portfolio, this is really the gem. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I forget that I own it. It can go weeks before <laughs> I even I look. I honestly, it just does its thing, right? It just, we have a great manager on the ground. Every single customer that we have there pays online. Nobody mails us anything. Nobody calls anything in. So it's, it's really a good one. So that one, I think we're going to expand and, and try to double the size of it and get up over 20,000 square feet and then kind of make a decision at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So what did this deal do for you in terms of just, I don't know, like going forward, psychologically, spiritually, it sounds like you brought up a full circle. Games everything, man. It opened the door to my back cave. That's what it did, man. It opened <laughs> the door to my back cave. Like, I didn't even know I had one. I was like, okay. The biggest thing is confidence, right? And, and without having confidence, it's tough to do anything because you're just going to keep telling yourself that it's not going to work out. You're not going to be able to do it, whatever. And I had that, like, so much negative, negative self-talk and, and limiting beliefs. So that was one of my biggest things that I've had to work on is up here. And that's probably where I was in my back cave was really just working up here and came out the other side a little bit cleaner, a little bit more aware. Uh, a little more present. So that's kind of what happened. But yeah, this deal just kind of gave me the confidence that, that we could do this. And if I was able to buy something that I didn't know what to do with, and I did it 850 miles away from home, and I did it while working a full-time job, taking care of a house and raising my five kids, like it was like, I, <laughs> what can I do? Then let's, let's go. I mean, I'm, I can do self-storage. Now this wasn't freeing me by any means. It's certainly, you know, if we were not making any money, I don't think we wrote a, a distribution check for probably 18 months. Before. So it took a little bit, but I didn't care. Like I knew I could do this again and again and again. And uh, yeah, so we wanted to move to Florida, right? I was a local Rochester guy and we wanted to move to Florida. That was the goal. We wanted to get to Florida, 
get out of New York. And, and so this business allowed me to do that. It was, it was location independent. It could be completely run remotely. I can hire people to, to sit in the seats that I needed to sit in with King Street to take over things that I don't have to take over now. And it's pretty wild. It doesn't take a lot of time to do this, but it gave me that confidence to just step out and say, I can do this. And I don't need this W-2 to carry me until I'm 67 and a half years old. So that was it. It was that one deal, right? The first is halfway to 10 or kind of whatever that little catchphrase <laughs> is. But it was true. I mean, it opened the doors for me. So we have two minutes left in the recorded portion of the show until we jump into our live Q&A because we've got some people patiently waiting in there. So in parting words for you know our target audience out here, our investors that have maybe had some you know experience in small residential multifamily, they're looking to go big, right? What would be your advice to them? Be afraid of the zeros. I mean, that's all it is. Honestly, it's a, it's a change of a decimal point. It's a comma moved. It's not as big as it feels. It, it's not. It just isn't. And the reward is the same, right? So you can you buy a $20,000 house, you'll get X dollars. You buy a $2 million house and you do that same process, it's going to see the reward on the other side. So I think going big, I've seen in the commercial space where I can go into a facility, change rents five bucks across the board, nobody cares, but yet my value just shot up by like $80,000 in one click of a mouse. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the scalability and the being able to pull different levers on commercial spaces, you have a grand, a bigger effect overall on the value by just doing small things where you got one house, one person moves out, go from 100 to zero real quick. 100%, man. Great advice. So if you're listening to the recorded version right now and you want to get in on the live Q&A with our fantastic guests oh. like, Sh- like Shane Chapin, like Gina yeah. Barbaro, Brian Burke, Chris Seveny, Reed Goosens, all the rock stars that are in the larger commercial real estate space, definitely join the Facebook Real Go Big Live Real Estate Investors Group. Check it out and get on the live Q&A with our special guests. Uh, for now, signing out. Thanks, Shane. 